There we go. We are recording. As I said, hi, I'm Lisa Morrell, and welcome. Welcome to the January 2020 case study from Equine Alchemy. And I'm delighted that all of you are here. We have uh, an hour of really great stuff today, including Q&A. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lisa Morrell, and I am the founder of Equine Alchemy, which started in about 2006. And the mission of Equine Alchemy is to help serve the world, raise the consciousness of it through coaching and horses. And part of that is within organizations. Actually, my background is in organization development. That's my graduate work is from Columbia University in organization development and human resource management. And then I met the horses and all was changed. So I started the Equine Assisted Coach Training Program around that time, around 2006 or seven, And now I am working again with the corporate world. And so I am doing some equine-assisted leadership development and team development. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, one of the reasons I'm doing this is to give, first of all, to help the industry to grow, to grow with quality, to grow with good information, to grow from uh, a good foundation. I mean, I've been doing this consulting for over 20 years, and I've been doing this particular course and working with uh, horses for over 10. So this information is very important to move our field forward in a quality manner. So that's one of the main reasons I'm doing this. Another and perhaps quite selfish reason is that I love talking about coaching and horses. (laughs) So it is a way for us to be together It's a way for us to uh, connect because working with horses is all about connection. So, like I said, we have about an hour together and plus I have a a special uh, bonus for those of you who decide to stick with us throughout the entire time. And I wanna point out that for those of you who are on the web, there's a chat on the left-hand side. So if you wanna ask a question, just type in your question and I'll be checking those. And at the end of the case study, we will definitely have Q&A. And I will give those people who are on the phone a microphone. And I can answer the questions in the chat. So we'll go from there. So by the end of this teleclass, I want you to have at least, besides the connection and just this whole general information that I'm going to be sharing with you, I'd like you to have at least three what I call masterful coaching tips to create powerful and quality equine-assisted coaching and leadership. And you're going to have some examples of how they are going to be used. So I think I've said before that uh, I was a uh, consultant and coach in the, the corporate world, and really my whole life changed as a result of being exposed to the horses. I know I'm preaching to the choir or the herd as it is that horses change your life. And they probably have all of you, and that's why you're here. And that's why you want to get into and help study this, uh, this particular work and to share it with other people. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I have a little script here because I have a tendency to just go off on tangents because <laughs> I like talking about this so much. So let's see. 
Uh, I actually have some uh, some objectives. I like working from objectives. I like telling people, and this is this is uh, some kind of meta coaching. I like telling, uh, starting with what are the objectives that you would like to have. This is totally the background and foundation of coaching in general. Uh, what is the agenda of the clients, and what would they like to have as a result of the work with you? So I want to tell you what the objectives are here. Uh, I, it's an outcome driven. Uh, uh, session here. So I want to make sure that you know that you're going to get an example of how to draft objectives and an agenda for the equine assisted learning sessions. And I know that some that's something that's very interesting to most of, most of you. And I will tell you, program design and agenda design is a skill in and of itself, but it must start with the objectives. And anyone who's been working with me in coaching knows that that's absolutely the best place to start. Next, I want you to learn specific skill sets that must be present for integration of equine and leadership work. Now, what this means is you're not, always, you're not going to learn all of these skill sets, but you're going to hear what I feel and are absolutely critical in what I use and how I use them. So you'll get an example of that. And then you can learn how horses can support leadership and team development. A lot of you might be leadership experts or some of you may be equine experts, and some of you may do both of them. And it's so important to be able to take the experience with the horses and meet the client where they are to interpret the experience so that they can reach the objectives that they are looking to reach. If they're just having an experience without the ability to integrate them into what they already know or the objectives that they're working on, it's just like an experience, like a, um, a one-off. It's not really something that can help them to grow as a leader on a long-term basis. So that's kind of the context that I'm talking about here. So let's take a conscious breath. I, for those of you who were waiting, uh, you saw that, um, I have a little cold here. You saw that I ask you to just take a, take a breath, a breathe, and take a check in with your body. Well, I'll ask you to do that again because I feel like that's absolutely critical to any work that we're doing with the horses because we have to be fully present. And it's from that place that I'd like for you to hear this information as well as um, just know in your body that you're as present as you possibly can be here. So I'll do that too. And I do ask my corporate clients to do this. Maybe it's just, hold it, let's just take a minute of silence for five minutes. Or I can, depending on who it is and the relationship I have with them, I might ask them to uh, go a little further within that uh, body scan or whatever. So first, a little history around this client. This client is a, they still are, they are a prominent construction firm in Manhattan. And this particular division was the actual uh, executive team of that particular um, it's a, such a huge company. It's the, the construction aspect of this very com big commercial firm. And how I met them, because I know so many of you say, well, I have this skill and I have that skill, but I don't know how to get clients. Well, 
clients are in the form, they come in the form of so many unexpected ways. And holding the context and being open for them is one of the first things. How this particular client came around was a very unexpected way. I had a call one time from someone who said, we want to come up. I, I am uh, the husband of a, uh, someone who's been living with breast cancer for eight years. And I would like to come and bring her to the horses. This is when I lived outside of Manhattan, New York City, and that's where they lived. And so I was only a couple of hours away. And they said, we want to come and work with you because her name was Hope. And she loves horses. So, of course, he wanted to do what he could to help her to have quality of life for the rest of the time that she was with him. And so they came and we did quite a bit of work together. And that's a whole other case study in and of itself, one perhaps I'll do this year. But it was very intense work. But one of the things that I think the the husband learned is that he needed to step up to the plate, that he had a job as a caretaker. And he learned a lot about stepping in vulnerability and transparency and authenticity rather than holding things in. And um, from this place, he went back to his work. And then when he wanted to do uh, leadership development and team development, he called me because he learned how to be in partnership differently with someone who was living with cancer, as well as be a leader in that relationship instead of someone who was constantly uh, being burned out or foregoing their own needs. So that's how this client came around. It was from a personal engagement that I had. So that's very, uh, it was interesting and quite unexpected, but I, I loved that he was able to integrate what he had personally into his business life, which is one of the reasons why I do equine assisted coaching. And that's how I do it, integration into their life, rather than just one experience with the horses. That is how things really change. And that's why our mission is to help raise the consciousness of the world through coaching and horses. And so coaching is a skill set that will absolutely support that integration of the skills of the experience so it can turn it into skills to living a higher quality of life. So let's take a look at uh, Dave's, I'll call him Dave, Dave's objectives. Now he had about uh, eight people on his team, all were men except the one, and of course the one woman was the HR, human resources, and that's often the case. Uh, the human resource people are women. Uh, the objectives, and I helped him with these, he did not know how to put objectives together. And I will tell you that setting, objective setting is a missing skill set in corporate America. After 20 years of doing it, I, I've actually taught classes on how to set objectives with them because they don't know how to do it. So I support them with that. Like I draft the objectives and from, I run them by him and then, and the HR, if the HR is involved, which they usually are. And then from that, we finalize the objectives, and then I send them a draft agenda to meet those objectives. So there's two separate parts, right? Uh, he calls me. He asks me, can you work with my team, uh, leadership and team development? Okay, well, what would you like to do? We have a conversation. I interpret his conversation, and then I put them together in the form of objectives 
that I'm going to read to you, I send them to him, say, here's a start. Because it's so much easier to say to someone, what do you think of this? Then they can say, yes, yes, that works. No, no, maybe that doesn't work and a little tweak on this. So you want to make it easy for them to say yes. Okay? So the first objective was to explore team dynamics. There were a couple of new people on the team, and uh, they really needed to take a look at what was going on with them and how was that dynamic either supporting or getting in the way of their uh, uh, corporate objectives. Uh, also, surface strengths and challenges for the team, right? What's happening that's really working and what's happening that is not working. Initiate a high-performing team. Now, I say initiate because, you know, it's the same thing as when you're in a round pen and perhaps you ask what someone wants from their round pen experience and they say, I want to get rid of my anger. Well, you're not going to do that in 10 minutes in a round pen. But you can begin to understand what's happening. And then the coaching afterwards helps them to process the experience so that they can move forward in understanding their anger more fully and uh, managing it in a way that supports them. So the same here, you can't become a high-performing team just by two days with horses, but you can discover a great deal about what's making you uh, stuck and what are some of the strengths that you have that you can build on to help you to go forward. So that's why I say initiate. I try to, uh, even though I over, uh, I under promise and over deliver. That's always what I've done. So that's one reason why. And I'm, language is very important because I go back to these objectives at the end and I ask them, okay, you said you wanted to do X, Y, and Z. How do you feel like we've done? And uh, let's see, I have a question from someone. Is there, let me just check this out. Because I, like I said, I'm doing everything here. Was there a second objective in there? I have explore team dynamics and then initiate high-performing teams. Yes, there was surface strengths and challenges for the team. And then finally, create awareness of personal and team leadership. This is the whole leadership aspect that begins with individual accountability. And of course, uh, well, I'm in the process. I'm about halfway through the book that I'm writing, and I'm really so much talking about the importance of uh, personal leadership in leadership in general, in um, uh, corporations, in teams, in families, whatever. So uh, it's important for them to understand that because there's a there's a a uh, uh, what is the word I'm trying to think of epidemic, I think, of uh, people thinking that it's the bosses or the one person in charge. They're the ones that are the only people that are supposed to be the leader. And as we know from horses, that is not the case. Although the mayor is one of the leaders. There's leaders in different roles that they play in the herd. And that's where Linda's, uh, Linda Kohanov's five roles of the master herder comes into play, and I'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so again, Explore team dynamics, surface strengths and challenges for the team, initiate a high-performing team, and create awareness of personal and team leadership. Right? Those are what we're working with. And then, so the first thing I did was in, initially, before they even started, is I wanted to give them a chance. I, the whole work with horses was new for them, right? 
they're kind of like horses. I don't really get that. But they trusted their boss, or if they didn't even trust them, they were required to come. <laughs> so what I wanted to do and what I do with all coaching clients is meet them where they are. So they're used to having leadership, assessment, leadership assessments or behavioral profiles. So one of the ones that I use is the DISC behavioral profile. And so I sent that to them electronically before. So they already began the process of their offsite and their leadership development and team development through the uh, DISC behavioral analysis. And so uh, that was something that they were used to. So that's what I meant by meeting them where they were. So when we first began, after we, uh, they all came up, and then, of course, there were introductions. And I often ask people, if not always, ask them for expectations. What are your expectations of your time here? Because their expectations may be that I'm just, they're just there either, what's the way of putting it? Uh, you're either uh, on vacation because you don't have to be doing what you're normally doing, you're a prisoner because you have to be there, your boss told you, or you're actually uh, an explorer. You're learning what there is to learn, and you're exploring what there is to explore. So I get very specific with that. And I also go back at the end of the uh, session and say, okay, here, I actually write them on a flip chart. And I say, okay, this is what you said you wanted out of this, these uh, two days. Did you get that or did you get something else? And uh, so it's a way to quantify the experience and takeaways. So after we do all of that and go over the agenda, then uh, I reviewed the DISC, uh, their profiles, and there's a whole thing to that. Uh, that's a couple of hours session about looking at uh, the team and how the profiles go together and then looking at where specifically uh, these behaviors are showing up. I like doing that then because I'm going to blend it with the five roles of the master herder later. So after we did that, we took a break. And then finally, after I have met them where they are and they're kind of comfortable because they're sitting in uh, a classroom, so to speak, because I was in my office, which was just near the barn, and then we would walk over to the barn. And uh, so now they're feeling okay. You know, they've gotten there. They've had their coffee. They, they've had their leadership assessment. They're not freaked out, at least not yet, <laughs> about horses. So then we go over to the barn. And what I did with them at this point was what I call uh, the leading exercise or the head, heart, and gut. It's an opportunity for them in a safe way for the horses to begin their experience. So with a horse on a lead line, after I demonstrate, and with a horse handler, uh, ha show them how to lead and actually ask them to lead from their head, from their heart, and then from their gut. And I take them for, through a process where they can focus their attention and their, uh, put all their energy into those particular parts. And then I do an integration of that. And one of the things that's interesting about this is that it can, it can be very, very subtle for some people. And others, it's completely mind-boggling and, and eye-opening. So for some people, 
these guys were very skeptical. Let me tell you, they were, uh, and even though they were in construction, there was a lot of intellectuals. And so uh, marketing and uh, accounting and all kinds of things like that, uh, they weren't seeing anything. They couldn't see the difference between the head and the heart and the gut, and they were kind of going, well, I'm not quite sure what this is about. However, there were some people who did get it. So I know that there are some of you who may use this exercise or not. I just want you to be ready for the fact that sometimes it is very... uh, at least for me, I'd say 99% of the time, it's been incredibly effective. And sometimes, like in this particular case, some of the people really got it and some of the people didn't. Well, that's okay. This is something that you need to work on as a facilitator. What does that tell you? It's still information. What does that tell you about them as a team and as individuals that they could not see any difference between any of what was going on. Well, what happened with this group was these people were so self-absorbed that they already thought they knew everything or that they weren't going to learn anything, that they were not looking for subtleties. Others, it really was something that they just couldn't relate to. It just, that's not how, if they were very heady, they couldn't see anything else. So this is all, like I said, it's, a, it, it's not a judgment, it's an observation. And all of this is information to, uh, to take into consideration as the facilitator uh, how you're going to help them to meet these objectives, right? Remember when I said one of them was looking at their strengths and challenges? Well, one of this could be strengths is that uh, part of the team is really good at seeing uh, the um, subtleties of what's going on. And maybe one of the challenges is not everybody's interested in seeing the subtleties. They want to get out there and just move and do the big things. And so that might be why some people, um, that might be why the team is not as cohesive as it could be, because there's such different personalities. So we did that. And uh, it was interesting to combine that situation and that experience, again, with the DISC. So how does this support your profile in terms of that particular leadership assessment? And again, that helped to anchor the learning in something they were already familiar with, which is the DISC, which is a leadership assessment. It could be anything. It doesn't really, it's just whatever. They, if they had one that they used, I usually use the one that they are familiar with. I don't ask them to try to learn something different, but I'm certified in several different leadership profile uh, assessments, so I can usually match whatever it is that they need. So after that, that takes us to lunch, you can imagine. And by the way, the weather was very nice then, so we were happy. So it was good to go and have a lunch together. And it's very interesting, and it's important for you to listen to what's happening and watch what is happening at lunch. I know some people say, no, I don't want to go to lunch. I want to go and spend some downtime because I want to, um, I I need that downtime. Well, my experience has been that some of the best stuff in the entire session happens in the breaks and at lunch and at dinner. So, uh, yeah, so I think it's very important for you 
as a facilitator to always be on this fact-finding mission to see the behaviors in different situations. And that's information too. If their behavior changes significantly from when they're in, officially in the classroom to when they're out eating or having a drink or whatever, then uh, that gives you information too. All right, so once we come back, and like I said, this is a, uh, this is a day and a half thing. So we're coming back and now it's the afternoon. So what I did, I chose to do Linda Kohanov's energetic boundary work, which is where you look at the heart's electromagnetic field, where you become aware of the fact that there is something at work. And this is what I, I think I called it something like unconscious influences in leadership. I named these things, things that they could recognize, not energetic boundary work. It was definitely uh, something like unconscious influences in leadership because for the most part we are unconscious of the unconditioned behaviors and our our automatic responses to spatial proximity so we did it with each other and then we did <laughs> we did it with the horses having a group of very high-powered young men do the boundary work was something i'll never forget it was definitely different than doing it with women. Uh, they were, the dynamic was very competitive, let me put it that way, very, very competitive. And so that gave me information too, that, okay, this is a team, yet the sense of competition is, is everything. So uh, that was interesting for them I don't even know. It, it was interesting to see how much they were aware of it and how much they weren't aware of it. But it didn't seem to, they couldn't make the connection to how that might be impacting what they're trying to do at work. So when we went out to the horses after that to do this boundary work with the horses, well, that brought it home because either the horse was going to respond or the horse wasn't, whether they were present or not. It was incredible, the difference. This is when, at the end of the second day, when they, well, after lunch, kind of in the middle of the first day, sorry, middle of the first day after lunch, where they began to really see that there could be some value to working with horses. Because they were seeing that how they were being was not getting the horses anywhere. And then when I asked them to move the horse, in the round pen, well, that was just ridiculous because they couldn't do anything. So we'd gone through first, right? Head, heart, and gut, leading the horse. Eh, can't see anything. Nothing makes any difference. That was, you know, I don't even know what that was. And then we went through the boundary exercise with people, looking at the unconscious influences in leadership. Well, maybe that's interesting with, the, with each other. Uh, then we did it with the horses. And then we tried to move the horses. Well, at the end of that day, people were wondering, what is it that is making these horses move and not? Of course, I would demonstrate. And actually, the woman was very good at it, <laughs> making the horse move. And she wasn't a horse person. So uh, these guys had enough at the end of the day to question what was happening. So this is important. This is an important time for you as a facilitator, as a coach, as a leadership development person. 
it's going to unfold as it unfolds. And you have to trust that. When I first started, I would go home at the end of the first day and think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm a disaster. This whole thing is a failure. I'm never going to get this together. But finally, I mean, I would meditate. I would say prayers. I'd do everything. And then finally, the next day, they actually, their thought processes and everything in whatever they did at night helped them to come with a different perspective the second day than they did the first day. And so by this point, I had known, I knew that that was happening. Uh, let's see. Um, somebody asked, looking back, would you have done a different activity than the head, heart, and gut? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily at all. It gave me a lot of important information, and that is if it's not big, if it's not flashy, then we don't care about it. And we know in work there's a lot of stuff, the little stuff, the subtle stuff that's absolutely critical that needs to be taken care of. What we did do later, as you'll find out, we were able to see uh, what were the strengths of some people. Some of the, it, it's okay. Not everybody has to do everything. But the awareness of who is who and who has what uh, abilities or what is naturally inherent to them is, is very important. So great question. Thank you. Uh, let's see. So now we have the next day, day two. A lot of stuff has gone on. So now we want to work on team dynamics. So what we worked on a lot was leadership and the unconscious influences in leadership the first day. Now we're going to look at some team dynamics the second day. And so we did some with and without the horses. And this is when I brought in the five roles of the master herder from Linda Kohanov. Now, I didn't use all of it, but what I did was I went through all of the five roles and their characteristics, and then I matched it with the disc. And uh, I had them take the assessment, the five roles assessment, and matched it with the disc. And it was very, very interesting. And we looked at the, mo we looked at the five roles as a model of leadership. And we looked at the specific roles of dominant, leader, nurturer, sentinel, and predator. And then we looked at how they had been uh, working with and being in relationship with the horses yesterday. And so they got to reflect on their uh, disc assessment, their behavioral assessment, and then what role they might play within the master herder in in that as a leadership role. And then I got them together. I had them partner. And, oh, I made some cards, by the way. I created them for five roles of the master herder. And so I gave them the cards so that they could uh, choose and select and so that they could own this. It wasn't just a lecture on this. They could actually, the cards are the specific roles and the different uh, characteristics of them. And then they got to pick which characteristics, and then they got to take a look at it. And then they could see by the, because they're color-coded, and they could see by looking at the cards uh, the big makeup of the team. So they, they really liked that. And then in pairs, what I did would, uh, I asked them to actually look at specific roles and behaviors that within specific projects back at work where these uh, behaviors were actually showing up and whether they were helpful or not. And as Linda Kahana would say, there were too many immature dominants in this particular group. 
immature dominants are the ones that uh, really are self-centered, almost narcissistic, and they want to push everybody around, keep everybody on edge just for the sake of doing that. The leader was not. But the other guys, and remember, this was an executive team, so they were they had a lot of people on their teams too. So it was great for them to pair up, to go over how their specific behaviors were showing up at work and make a plan for how they might shift their behaviors to make it more positive and effective in implementation of their goals. After this, now it was time to go back out to the barn. So I do this thing called the Team Active Round Pen, and the objective of this exercise is to create movement as a group, as a team. But I step in there with them. There were, uh, as I said, uh, six or seven people. Actually, I don't remember at this point, but I do remember that I was in there with three other people, and the point was for us as a group to have the horse, one horse, uh, walk, trot and canter, change directions, walk, trot and canter in the other direction. So they had learned enough of these basic skills in free lunging the night before to be able to do it. Plus, I was in there with them, so I started. And um, I have to say, it was so successful. This one guy, a young guy, I mean, these are young guys. They're like in their 30s or early 30s and really brilliant. And uh, he was probably the most skeptical initially. And so when it was his turn to make the horse move or to ask the horse move, he, and he's one of the ones who didn't see anything in the head, heart, and gut. He said, did you see that? Did you see that? He just, I just thought move. And he moved. And I said, yes, I saw that. I did see that. And so they were just astonished and astounded that their, whatever they were thinking, whatever that was going in their bodies, before they even said it or made the movements, impacted the horses. Of course, we know that's what happens. But I had prepared them through taking them with, first of all, making them comfortable through starting an online assessment that they were familiar with doing some work inside that they were familiar with, doing a safe thing, head, heart, and gut, trying to look at the unconscious influences, trying to look at relationships, uh, integrating this with the projects and goals that they had at work, and having them uh, learn the skills of free lunging and the boundaries, and then supporting them in a very strong way to do what I call this team active round pen. So I got a few, a couple of videos from these guys. Oh, by the way, <laughs> that second day, it was pouring, pouring, pouring rain. Now I am the, I, I didn't have an indoor at that point. <clears throat> and I am of the, the kind that, well, okay, so it's raining, let's put on the right uh, clothes. <laughs> let's just put on, you know, what we need to and we just go ahead and do the work. Uh, so that's why some of the videos are kind of strange from that because you could hardly see through the thick, thick rain. But I just kept on going. My attitude was, it's not a big deal. This is what happens. This is adversity. How do you handle adversity? How do you handle and shift and adapt to changes in your environment? Do you just not do anything? Or do you collect yourself, have another plan, and then just go do it. So every single thing that happened, I connected to 
how they responded as a team in their actual work environment. So that's what I mean by every single thing is a piece of information. And, and that's really important. And that's one of the skill sets of being able to actually do this work. They were thrilled. They were thrilled with this. And uh, Dave, the leader, talked, continued coaching with me, and he actually brought them back another time. And so this was just a terrific success. And uh, it all started from just working uh, individually with him and his wife. So the skill sets that were critical at this, in this were learning enough about leadership to be able to actually facilitate a leadership retreat with horses. Also, knowing enough about equine-facilitated, equine-guided learning to be able to understand the sequence of events to be able to give people the skill sets that they need to match what you're doing in the agenda. And the agenda is all in service of the objectives that you begin with and co-create with the leader. So that's a lot of stuff. And you can imagine that, uh, well, I've been doing this for about 20, I'm going to say, plus years. <laughs> so um, I can't wait to hear your questions. Uh, please write in. I'm just checking the time here. I'm going to make sure that we have what we need. Oh, my. Oh, good. We're good, 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 good. Um, let me go back to the attendee list. Type in your questions or uh, I'm going to give everyone right now, I'm going to give you a microphone, but I'd like you to mute yourself until you, uh, if you have a question, you can unmute yourself. And if you have your own, uh, if you're online and you want to ask a question, just put yourself off mute and ask the question. I'm waiting. I'm promoting everyone to presenter. That's how I have to do this on this particular soft application. And look, I get to see all the people on here. This is so fun. Uh, let's see. I know it was a lot of information, but you uh, can do it. Lisa, it's Liz. It's Liz Hello, here. Hi. Liz. Hi. Is it okay if I just ask a question out loud? Of course. I want everybody to ask questions out loud. <laughs> Excellent. So but thank you so much. This was just so valuable to hear a real-life leadership situation and, and everything that goes with it, so thank you. I My oh, question you. is, you began with leading um, through the head, heart, and gut. Um, when you have a group of people, like you said you had around seven people, ensuring that the team is comfortable enough, each member is comfortable enough to do the exercise, how do you... I guess it's kind of a twofold question. Ensure that everyone is comfortable enough. And I know how we do that to, to say, okay, they're all ready to do this. Like whether you do a safety demonstration or something just to see that they're comfortable. What might you do differently if you find that perhaps one or two of the members isn't up to it because of an anxiety level or, or something else? Oh, I always tell them it's voluntary. Nobody has to do it if they don't want to. 
And first, and but my question that I'm really curious about, Liz, is what do you mean by comfortable? Well, you know, it's funny as bringing that back to to me as a question. The second you said it, not everybody has to do it. I go, ah, oh, okay. There's so much information but, in seeing that as well. That, absolutely. If they don't want to do it, it's not a judgment. That's the thing. One of the most incredible um, pieces of information is how they, what they judge and what they see as judgments. Because everybody, including myself, judges. It's just interesting to watch what exactly we're judging and what are the triggers. That's the information that's the gold. Because that's what the horses are going to pick up on. And that's what they can clear and work on. But you and you as the coach or the leadership consultant really needs to be able to notice that. And take notes. Yeah. You know, you can't remember everything. And then mm -hmm. when you feel if there's an opportunity for you to bring it up, then you can do that. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. And I have a million ideas around how to work with that. That's great. Of course you do. <laughs> All right. Who else? Anyone else have a question? Hello? Um, there was quite a bit of information in there. I would love to see. I'm looking to see. Uh, I loved hearing, hi Janine, and wonder if there are videos. Uh, I would love to say there are videos, but one thing is that a lot of executive teams do not want you to video they, uh, in just about anything they do because of proprietary information, confidentiality. I usually have to sign a confidentiality or a non-disclosure agreement with these executive teams because it's not just about horses. It's about specific things that they do. It is about their work. I don't just do something with the horses. It's, it's integrating, and cons uh, integrating leadership, consulting, and team development, and uh, organization development. So we work with real stuff. We don't just work with theory or hypothetical stuff. And so they usually don't want you to do that. But we did have some personal videos, but they're so blurry because of the intense rain. Um, but that is, thank you, it's a great question, so thank you. Let's see, can you show us the team round pen exercise next week? Oh, <laughs> yes, I can, I can. Janine is one of the Equine Alchemy uh, coach certification students, and we're having uh, the experience next week, as well as one of the intensives here out in Phoenix. And so those of you who might want to experience this work for two days, uh, you can come out and maybe we'll experience that. But yes, definitely. It's the, the, the um, Team Roundpen is definitely part of the new course that I created and launched last fall, which was the leadership Equine Assisted Leadership and Team Development Certification course. And so what I teach you is all about everything that I just told you. It's a mini master's degree. It's a two-month course. You have two three-day sessions with the horses to practice this stuff. 
And yeah. the second one, you actually work with a team. Uh, somebody else had something? Did I hear? Let's see here. I'm just seeing. Who else? Who else has a comment or a question? Well, as I was saying, um, yeah, the yeah. Who is this? Lisa, this is Annette. Annette, hello, darling. How are you? Good. Good. Happy belated I, uh, birthday. Your birthday was yesterday, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So you you talked about assessments and mm-hmm. and the comfort. And I just want to encourage everyone that if you have an interest in learning more about DISC or another tool, if if you're new to mm-hmm. the assessment world, which you may not be, um just really uh, practice with debriefing as many people as that you can. And um, for example, tomorrow I'll work with four leaders, executive senior leaders, and and just spend like almost less than two hours with them debriefing on a 360 assessment and the disc mm-hmm. and. I used to think, wow, you know, what can you possibly do in a short amount of time with one person, right? And I have um, really feel like I've grown um, just really supporting that leader and holding the space and and then providing that, that feedback as they wish with their and holding their agenda. But I feel like I've I've gotten much much better at it. Just really doing the quick, um, you know, one two hour debriefs and and with multiple leaders over time. Yeah, and you can use that information over and over again. So if you continue mm-hmm. to work with them, you can just keep pulling from that information as a as a as a context. I'll tell you in the. Leadership, equine assisted leadership certification and team development. Um, I spend three hours on just assessments alone and how mm-hmm. to debrief them because I agree with you. It's so important. Right. It doesn't matter the assessment, right. the debrief is right. the key. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and, it, yeah. and it, it, it also doesn't, you know, um, we don't have to be an expert per se. It, because a lot of leaders will come to those sessions with, you know, the agenda is to debrief, but what they really mm-hmm. want to share is X, Y, Z, and that's where the um, the the agility comes in, right? And right, to, exactly. To be able to flex and adapt to what's going on with their mind, their body, their spirit. And that's why the horses are so great at this, because they can actually mm-hmm. interact with the debrief in real time with the horses. So it's an incredibly deep learning. You should do that. I love, you should take those guys to the horses, Annette. Annette is a graduate of one of the programs. She's a, for everyone to know, she's a graduate of Equine Alchemy, plus she's an MCC, a master coach from uh, International Coach Federation. So that's what I spend. I spend a lot of time in the leadership world and um, I wish I could take all of my classrooms and all of my one-on-one clients uh, to the horses. Right. 
Well, you just never know. You never know. All right. Thanks, Annette. We have some questions yeah. here. Let's see. Who is this? When are you offering? Oh, from Janine, I think it is again. Uh, the This leadership and team development course begins February 5th, the online courses. And it's for three consecutive weeks. They're webinars. And uh, you get a, a whole deck. And then there's a three-day experience, which is the 28th, 29th of February and the 1st of March near Phoenix. And then there's another one, that I think the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of April. And that's when we'll work with a team. So uh, you can find it at equinealchemy.com forward slash leader. And actually, I was going to tell you, I'll tell you uh, uh, something about it again in a minute. Let's see. If employees have taken the proposed assessment in the past, do you ask for the results or do they retake it? It's, I like to have them retake it. That question is always asked of me. And I, sim I do simply because unless they just took it last week or last month, um, things have shifted. People have shifted. They've shifted. And I've done these assessments enough time to know that you do change. You do shift, and people situationally are going to answer, regardless of whether they feel they will or not, they're going to answer differently. So it's important. And also, I like having everybody having to do the same thing instead of, oh, well, I've already done that, so I don't have to do that. I think everybody taking ownership for and participating fully in the leadership uh, assessment with and without the horses, I mean, leadership retreat with and without the horses is just critical. So let's see. I hope that answers your question. Let's see if there's something else. No, I didn't see any. Right. So uh, who else? Who else might have a question about all of this? My name is Mari. I have a question. Yeah. Mar Mari or Marley? Yes. Mari. Mari like California. Mari. Hi. And welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, since I have not experienced any leadership coaching with horses, um, I've been involved in many different leadership coaching programs. What I'm curious about in the, the real world, like we can take this company for an example, the construction company, um, do you experience with uh, individuals that once they move into the uh, realm of the herd, so they're actually with the horses, can you actually see the individuals become what I'm going, I'm going to use my uh, terminology, where they become embodied, they move more down into the body and out of the intellect? As if they have been brought in gently. This is something that is cumulative. That's why I said it's so important to begin with where they are and where they feel comfortable. Because if they put up a wall in their head, it's going to take them a lot longer, if they are able to at all, to get into their bodies. So it's, it's, they have to feel safe. They have to feel comfortable. They have to feel as though they're successful. It, adult learning, if you know anything about adult learning theory, which I'm sure you do, adults, it has to be relevant for them. It's, you know, you can throw out information, but if it doesn't apply to them, 
and they can't see any reason for it, then it's not interesting to them and they, it's very challenging for them to learn. So just saying getting into your body is one of the reasons why we're doing the horses is probably completely re- irrelevant to them. So you, if you walk them through a process through which they can say, hmm, awareness, which is, you know, being in the body, but it may be their vernacular, awareness could be helpful in this situation. Oh, when we talk about the three brains, you know, when you're talking about the, the electromagnetic field of the heart, this could be interesting. You know, you have to be able to know who your clients are and meet them where they are, giving them, uh, speaking to them in that language and uh, taking them and, and giving them the experiences that are going to be the most helpful for them. Does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And when I see them get into their body, it's profound because they know they're there. And they're often just either humbled, many, many times humbled, uh, gracious, full of gratitude, or completely astounded. <laughs> Those are some of the, the, <laughs> the reactions that yeah. I have had when they do that. Yeah. Just, you know, like the rest of us. Thank All right, you. let's Thank see you. if I had... You're so welcome. Let's see here. Amy. Hi, Amy. Let's see. Do you have three people in the round pen trying to move the horse as a team, or did they do it individually? What do you do in the round pen with them? What are you mainly observing? Um, I don't want to describe the uh, specific exercise because I <laughs> there's like three or four different ways to do it. Uh, and I don't, it depends. That's my best answer to everything. Uh, Amy, you're going to be doing the leadership course, so you'll definitely learn how to do it and the different ways you're doing it. Uh, They are moving it as a team, I will say that. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for their ability to, their specific parameters that they have to follow as a team. You don't just throw them all in there. And um, at first you can throw them all in there, but they're not going to be successful. And the horse's safety is my primary concern. So I put some parameters in there, and whether how they followed the parameters, whether they followed the parameters, whether they whether they are acting as a team or somebody's taking total control or somebody is uh, completely not participating, or what what is the definition of a team for them, and are they actually adhering to those traits when they're actually, when they're doing this? And so, so sometimes I might say, what is your definition of a team? That might come up. See, that was the, the capstone experience in this day and a half. So it's not something I would start out with at all. This is absolutely challenging to do. And if you do it with this and nothing else, chances are you're going to fail and they're going to fail and they're going to feel really bad about failing and they're going to start blaming you and the experience and the horses, and you just don't want to do that. So if you set them up for success, then you can watch for all of these other things, and you're going to learn how to do that in the, in the leadership course. So you're always observing what's happening, everything you can. And similar to just being with horses, you have to observe everything because you never know what any of them are going to do at any time and then you've got people around them especially you Amy you've got people there that's never been around horses so you have to watch about 50 things happening all at once so yeah knowing how to look at who's doing what 
is uh, in the con- within the context of everything else you've done or what they want to learn is what makes it valuable. I hope that answers your question. Let's see, where are we? Anything else? Anything else? Looking at the time. All right. Oh, good. Glad. All right. So I see that we're kind of coming down here to the end. Uh, I do want to say that uh, I, I kind of want to recap some of the things we've talked about. First of all, that uh, meeting the client where they are, understanding that client, building relationship with that client is, is the best place to begin. And clients come in many different forms in many places. But building that relationship, it's the same with if you see a new horse, right? And they don't know you. How would you go and create a relationship with that horse? And it may not work the first time. But you've got to put it out there in a way where you're meeting them where they are, where they feel safe, where they feel that it's okay for them to move forward into this curiosity, giving them what they want, all of the things. So I always say to all of my, client, my students, what would a horse do or what would you do in this situation if you were a horse? And that's probably going to answer most of your questions. And also start with the objectives. Uh, very important because you can't get anywhere if you don't know where you're going. And also you can measure your success with asking for the expectations and going back and looking at the objectives again. So that uh, people have to take, they have to be accountable for what they expected. And their behaviors, if you write, the, if you write down their expectations at the end of the, the session, you can go back, okay, this is what you said you wanted to do. Did you actually do that? Did you experience it? And so measuring it and having it be a quantified experience as well as a quality experience can happen through uh, having concrete objectives and measuring them and also individually what are your expectations and measuring those. Also, knowing that there is a sequence to helping people to feel as though they can be present enough to do some of the work with the horses. And I like mixing it in and out with whatever it is that they know. I brought in the leadership assessment. You don't necessarily have to do that. You can do something there. Um, I brought in the five roles of the master herder, and I, I made this card deck. And so that's something they could be comfortable with. And I worked with the people first and then with the horses so that they could translate. But I was always their translator. And I had plenty of horse handlers. I, for those amount of people, I had, I think, two horse handlers. I had an assistant that was working with me at, who was already, uh, she was a, um, an organization, she was a consultant, a leadership consultant. And she had just finished the course the equine alchemy course, so she knew both. And then I also had a, uh, someone who's specifically a horse handler. And then a day and a half is, is a good amount of time. If you only have half a day, do one exercise. Don't try to do a whole bunch. It's, it's the integration. And also, you have to know something about leadership. You have to know something about the basics about leadership development and team development. And you also, of course, have to know something about horses, equine guided learning. 
and how to combine both of those. That's when the long-term impact of this work is going to happen. Even if they're for a retreat, say, for example, someone like Amy, who you are in charge of the equine program there, who all these leadership companies come, find out what their leadership objectives are and create experiences for them that are going to support those leadership objectives. That's critical. And um, once you, I'm glad, I'm so glad you're taking the course because you're going to be able to learn the basics about this and be able to have a conversation with them that will support uh, them being in partnership with you around achieving their objectives and including the horses as part of that rather than, well, let's just take a break and go play with the horses. It's very different. One can be fine, but if you're, Saying it's leadership development, this other stuff has to happen. So again, if you the leadership development and team development certification is starting on February 5th. If you go to equinealchemy.com forward slash leader and you use the code LEAD, L-E-A-D, if you sign up, you'll be able to get a free coaching session from me. And we can talk about whatever you want, getting clients, doing what it is you already do, all of this. So um, I would love to have you join us. And again, in the service of raising this field of incredible potential uh, transformation for humans and uh, with the help of our, our horse guides, that is what I am doing this for. So I'd love for you to join us. Okay, any other questions before we leave? No? All right. Thank you. I'm so honored for you to have chosen to spend your time here with me. I know how everyone is so busy. You're so full of so many things. So I, I really am honored that you chose to be in this field, be interested in the horses and the potential and just spend your time here talking about horses and coaching, which I love. I will be sending out the recording, and I will also send out um, the five roles, of Linda Kohana's five roles of the Master Herder, so you have that to take a look at as well. All right. Thank you all very much. Namaste.